The following is a fourth-hand production. Then he had a... It's lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We've got no food, we've got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off! I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to park. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Spencer, and here with my co-host, Ethan Wilson. What up? And this is a podcast where one of us recommends a movie to the other that the other hasn't seen, and then we watch it, and then we discuss it here. This week we watched What About Bob, starring Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus, Julie Haggerty, and others. It's about a successful psychotherapist that loses his mind after one of his most dependent patients, an obsessive-compulsive neurotic, tracks him down during his family vacation, and craziness ensues. So, I saw this movie a couple of times several years ago, obviously not when it came out. I didn't really watch it till I was in like early 20s, maybe late high school era. Um, I watched it with one of my buddies, Casey. Yeah, we love this movie, and it's a great one. I, I always enjoy it. So, uh, Ethan, were you aware of this movie? Yeah, I mean, it's Bill Murray. Yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, What About Bob? Yeah. Already, you know, you already, if you know him, you kind of know his, like, big ones. Yeah. Um, This is definitely one of them for sure. Yeah, I think my aunt had a copy of this on VHS that was on her shelf of movies at her house. So I had seen it on the shelf. I'd never watched it. Uh I mean, I think I might have watched it. But it came out in, like, 19, like, what, the early 90s? Yeah, 91. So I would have been, like, th- three or, f- yeah, three years old. Um, so, because a lot of this movie felt familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I had seen it. But it wasn't like a, I remembered anything. It's just, like, I, I, had, I had seen it before. But it was, like, I mean, 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> And I was a young child. Yeah, um, I didn't watch it for the first time until I was at least 18 or 19. So That being said, I didn't know anything about it, you know, who was in it other than Bill Murray. I didn't know that Richard Dreyfuss was in it. Yeah. Or anything. <laughs> oh, man. Did you like it? And was it what you were expecting? Uh, yeah, I did really enjoy it. The, the cast was very good. Uh-huh. Even if you removed Bill uh, Bill Murray's presence from the movie, the cast, the family structure, and their kind of like comedic timing and everything with that group was very good, um, very believable yeah. family uh, situation to a man that's like all about business. And all about himself. Yeah. So as far as was it what I was expecting, I mean, with every Bill Murray movie, you kind of know, like outside of like Scrooged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you kind of know what to expect with him. Yeah. Um, he's always very good. He's always a fun person to watch on screen. Even yeah. Even when he pops up for five seconds in 
you know, like Space Jam or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you could definitely see how, like, this style of movie, like, influenced later big box comedy, like, 90 movies, 90s movies, like Dumb and Dumber, because you, oh, yeah. you can see Harry and Lloyd very much inside of uh, Bob in this movie. Like, yeah. just the way he acts and talks about things and kind of, like, his demeanor. It's very much of that, like, ignorant... Uh, like not self-aware mm-hmm. type of you know character and it's very much especially it probably reminded me more of harry with uh um man i'm blanking on his name jeff daniels yeah uh and then less of lloyd because it's jim carrey but yeah. it, he definitely reminded me of jeff daniels uh playing harry in dumb and dumber yeah and both are great performances uh you know richard dreyfus um, I always like when he shows up in movies. I've seen, you know, was that Mr. Holland's Opus? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those weird movies that I've seen like like five or six times just because it was on TV. Yeah. And then obviously he's one of the stars in, you know, one of my top three favorite movies in Jaws. Oh, yeah. Matt, uh, Matt Hooper. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's just really nice to see him when he shows up and stuff. I always enjoy his performances. Uh-huh. And then with this movie, it, the the soundtrack, which was mostly made up of like that classic, like heavy woodwind and like like tinkling bells and things type of soundtrack, which you would see in like like Disney movie, like Disney kids movies, uh-huh. like uh, like Little Giants and things like that, um, where it's just this kind of like happy, like real, like you expect. Uh, um, oh, what's the guy that sings Toy Story? In the Toy Story oh, Randy songs. Newman? <laughs> yeah, you expect Randy Newman to come in and sing over it type of thing. Which, to the movie's credit, is kind of like setting a tone to like the character that you're going to be interacting with Yeah. throughout the movie. He's very childlike. Yeah. So it would make sense that they use the same style of soundtrack for this type of movie with Bob. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually very interesting. I, I just watched a lot of the stuff, and this... This had to have been really fun for at least Bill Murray to make because just a lot of the stuff is just insane. I, just, I mean, it's hilarious. I love it. But um, yeah. I mean, let uh, anything else you have to say before we dive right into some of the more bigger topics? No, that was that was everything that I had or that I liked that okay. I watched. Uh, were there any parts that you did not like or problems with the movie or maybe a problem with the storyline? Yeah, the uh, the whole thing about Bill Murray's character being like this hyper-stressed, germaphobe guy and then living in New York City mm-hmm. didn't make much sense to me. And it kind of, I mean, to, he moves, you know, out to the country to vacation, quote-unquote. Yeah. And his character changes once he gets out there. So you would think that he would just be a person that lived in a rural area anyways, just because there's not as much interaction with people. You're not jumbled up in this conglomerate of humans and germs um, and things like that for someone that has the specific mental illnesses that this guy has. So I just thought it was interesting that he was living in New York city yeah, in what seemed to be like this really grimy area of New York city. I've never been there, so I don't know. Especially New York in the nineties. It was a lot, I mean, dirtier than it is now well, yeah and you know they do the they do the trash out on the curbs so the the guys can come pick it up and stuff yeah. like that so that's just something i've always heard about you know like it's just there's areas of it of new york city just like any city but this place in general because it's mostly asphalt and concrete that it is very dirty and there's just there's just a lot of people 
Um, so the whole point was something I thought about too. Just like, wait, why would he be living in New York if he's terrified of being outside and just being around people? So, and you know, does probably wouldn't want to get a cab or go to the subway. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. That didn't really make a ton of sense. Yeah, and you know, a lot of it's plot points to get yeah. this guy. This guy. Oh yeah mental illnesses like out and and stuff but yeah him being putting himself in that situation and then when you get to the the lake like richard dreyfus's like obsession with his son diving yeah like it's almost like a like a drill sergeant like it's like the hot the 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 goal of the summer is not the good morning america interview it's not having a relaxing vacation it's to get his son to dive headfirst in the damn water. Yeah. I thought that was very weird that mm-hmm. he was just so set on, especially this kid that's obviously not outdoorsy. Later you see him where before he actually dies with Bob on the dock, um, playing a brick game boy. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting on the thing. So he's like, not this kid that, you know, looks like a kid that would enjoy doing a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Um, he's got a very bleak outlook on life. Just these these weird like summer kid things don't seem like it would be something that's like in his repertoire of like fun things for kids to do. So maybe it's just Richard Dreyfuss's characters pushing his son out of his comfort zone, but it just seemed very like I don't know, like very like it's a strict like it's a regiment type of thing that we're gonna get you to dive. Yeah, and that and that's actually very telling about you know Dr. Marvin as a character that he's not he's not seeing who his son is for his son. He wants to see himself in his son or whatever. So he's like, you know, he's just like, he's probably thinking, Oh, Isla was learning to dive at your age. So you need to like, it's super necessary. But also you mentioned that like the kid Sigmund is all dark and stuff. And which is, you know, ironic because his dad is a, a therapist and should be able to see these things. And also his name is Sigmund. So that was my first thing. I said, what kind of self-respecting psychologist names his son Sigmund? Obviously yeah, after Freud, and- Anna is also a Freud. Oh, um, yeah. I did see that. In, I saw uh, that. Because that was one of my comments. I didn't know Anna. And I'm not super. I wasn't super great at psychology or anything. Oh, yeah. I didn't know Anna Freud um, was a person either. I, just, I didn't know I Anna Freud. But, but Sigmund, I, w- I said, <laughs> that was one of my problems. I said, assuming they named their son Sigmund after Freud uh, is a yikes yeah. <laughs> type of thing. And then I wrote down most of Dr. Marvin's like points or self-help things are like a, wow, thanks. I'm cured type of a thing. Like go and just take a vacation from your problems. Like that. That's not exactly helpful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's very, it's very much that apparent that, that Leo Marvin's psychology career is kind of like a, like a sham or whatever. He's, he's, writing down like um very basic things that sound smart or um deep or or very very helpful in the world of psychology but it's it's all cookie cutter stuff to sell books and make money and get on good morning america and things like that that he's not really into it for helping his his uh patients it's all self-serving uh, which is how you end up with like Bob could have very well turned into Joaquin Phoenix's character in the Joker and shot yeah. up someplace or something. Uh, it's very, <laughs> they just, when you're not getting the mental health care that you're needing and the person that you get it from 
either doesn't care about it or can't give it to you financially. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just funny how that that stuff pops up all over movies. Oh yeah, I said the family not understanding Leo Marvin's problems with having Bob around at the vacation house because they're not like outlandish demands like he's saying yeah you know it's it's all part of the doctor patient confidentiality thing it's not appropriate to have this person i'm examining mentally around in a personal like family familial environment type uh-huh. of thing like um and them just being totally like not understanding of that request yeah to the point where it's there it's almost like they're purposefully um, including Bob and things to get on Leo Marvin's nerves. Yeah. I I mean, I also wrote, so first I wrote puppet therapy from him is super creepy. What did you think of that? Yeah. Well, I, that was, uh, it was on like the IMDB head header oh. pictures of him holding the puppet up to his daughter. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the parts that I had that I f- felt very familiar, like I'd seen before. So that's why I feel like I had seen this movie or it was on when I was a little kid. My parents uh-huh. rented it or something. But going back to your other point where you said, you know, that his family seems like they're they're uh, trying to include Bob on purpose. And, you know, it really did feel like that. But I think I, I also think that they know how egotistical that he is, how Leo is. You know, they know how self-centered he is. And so they can see that. There's this guy who's desperately needing his help. And yeah, I mean, I even wrote down that, yeah, sure, Bob did cross a line by tracking them down at their vacation house. But, mm-hmm. you know, his his first instinct was to send him a ro- away rather than help him. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, if you're on the one week of vacation that you get yeah. every year and someone said on your vacation... Hey Jake, I need you to run these books real quick for this account while you're <laughs> on vacation. You're gonna try to send them away as well. That's true. No, I yeah, um, I even understand. I'm like, yeah, Bob crossed the line super hard by tracking him yeah. down. So, a dude showing up to your to your house uninvited on your vacation asking you to do work. Yeah, I feel like would be received the same way by 98 percent of people. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he also lacks a lot of self control. You know. But I, yeah. you know, he was constantly being pushed because you know, you you want to see Bob as like the good guy, but you know he's kind of the instigator of everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah. As as goes with these types of <laughs> movies with like John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. And um, like uh, Ed O'Neill and Dutch. Yeah. Um, these guys are just kind of like lovable idiots. Yeah. And they instigate stuff, or stuff happens be- directly because of them, yeah. and they don't understand that because yeah. that's what makes the movie funny. Them being stupid. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's pretty much it for my dislikes. You got more? No, that was it. Okay. Cool. Well, we can move on to favorite parts and lines. I'll start with just you know from the beginning where you know he says to Gil, "I gotta go to work. See ya," and then just walks over to his desk and it clocks in his own time clock. I thought that was really funny, you know, working at home in the 90s. There wasn't too much from the very first prior to him, the vacation, the going on vacation. Uh, but, he, you know, he keeps calling that service lady or whatever to try to get a hold of. Yeah. Is it Debbie? Doc, yeah, Dr. Marvin. And 
she calls him and or he goes in and and says that he's a police chief, a police detective, <laughs> yeah. a homicide detective, and that the guy committed suicide. And then she calls Doctor Marvin to let him know, and it's like they're sleeping. Yeah. And he said to he says to his wife that patient that called earlier, well, he committed suicide. And then they both are like, oh, that's sad. And then Richard Dreyfuss says, well, let's not let it ruin our vacation. Yeah. I really laughed at that. So, I thought that was funny. On that, on that scene where he's, you know, pretending to be a cop, when he holds up a, 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 a badge, it says uh, Blue Cross Medical Card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. I also love the scene where he's in the office and he's just trying to guess his family members' names. Yeah. Like, I heard she's like, oh, is he good at this? No, he's not. He's just randomly <laughs> saying names. I'm very so good funny. at names. Uh, this Cheryl and Tucker and <laughs> Sheila. No, that's not anywhere close. The German the German couple that runs the coffee shop. Uh-huh. I really liked all the scenes that they were in. I can't yes. remember what their names were. I can't remember. It starts with a B, um, but uh, they're hilarious. Them, them, yelling, them yelling Hitler at him. <laughs> <laughs> from the boat yeah <laughs> and his wife just keeps saying these horrible things that richard dreyfus and then he the husband says and she never she says never those says things that. <laughs> <laughs> and they could eat and at the restaurant scene like they could tell that he's you know that bob has got a few screws so they're just like hey we'll take you straight to his house yeah how about yeah. that yeah, and then he's like, yeah, the, they're letting me stay up there. They told me I could stay as long as I wanted. <laughs> Throughout the movie, uh, Bill Murray fake pukes and then says, oh, false alarm. Yeah, like I love these, those. He's making these horrible, horrible noises, and then he's just nothing happens. He says, oh, uh, there's a false <laughs> alarm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and then uh, I love the line where he hands off Gil uh, to the wife, and uh, – He's just like, he's already eaten. Don't let him tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, the When he's choking on the chicken in the house, um, uh-huh. and, and Bob throws him down on the couch, and he's just slamming his <laughs> knee into his back. <laughs> yeah. That was making me laugh so hard. I really like that part. And they're like, he's turning blue. And he's like, no, I, can, I know exactly what to do. And he's just slamming his <laughs> his knee into Richard Dreyfuss's back. And then even after he cho- he spits out the chicken, he does his it like six in- more times. <laughs> yeah. He's just, get him off of me! <laughs> that whole oh, part yeah, was very that's funny. such a funny scene. I, uh, I love the part where uh, Bill Murray or Bob was talking like his lips are going numb. And he starts like, starts, I don't know, he starts to talk. The way, yeah, he, the way he delivers he that like, line. I literally know just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. He did that mouth. so well. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. And I didn't write it down because I forgot. But the the whole scene where he's tying him up to that tree at the end with the gunpowder, uh-huh. the black powder, and uh, Bob thinks it's like death therapy. Yeah. And then he leaves the bombs because he thinks they're fake in the house, and the <laughs> house explodes. <laughs> that all was very funny. Yeah. Man, that part was hilarious. Uh, I wrote down another part, and like I'm, you're you're a little further ahead. I wrote, "I'm sailing," where he's just tied to the mast. Yeah, and he's just he's tied up. Yeah, I love that. And then he, on the dock, he's talking about how he's like, "Yeah, I, I sailed. I sailed all you know all by myself." And, yeah. my, and he's like, "You know, I I let the boat do most of the work, but I'm not <laughs> telling anybody that." 
Yeah, I love that. To that little kid who's not taught. I mean, he's not listening to him at all. He's yeah. just playing his video game. I also love the. So one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the dinner scene where he's just going, mm, mm. Yeah. and then he goes, and then he's just like, Faye, this is scrumptious. Is this hand shucked? So me and my friend will just say, is this hand shucked all the time? Even now mm-hmm. we just say it randomly. We're just like, mm, is this hand shucked? <laughs> just a, a whole uh, line. The him making the mm sounds made me think of when I used to do that to you at Barkley when oh. you were trying to eat. Dude. So I wrote down, <laughs> I said, bonus, Ethan is going to mention that during college when he used to say, mm, whenever I would take a bite, I knew that scene would remind you of that. Yeah, I, yeah, even wrote I it down. would just do that in your ear while you're trying to eat and you couldn't <laughs> I, eat. <laughs> I couldn't get through bites, man. It was too hard because you just make me laugh. <laughs> oh, man. That was all the favorite part scenes that I had written down. So if you had a few more, you can fire them off. Yeah, sure. Um so going back to when he goes to um, do the first consultation meeting, instead of sitting on the two chairs in the waiting room, he sits on the little table in between them. I just thought that yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> it just it's like, okay. Because no one, yeah, probably because no one, you know, people don't touch that as much. That's yeah. a good character uh, trait. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. And then uh, when he's in the meeting, he says, if I fake it, then I don't have it. I thought that was a funny yeah. line. He oh, starts... the, the, the whole Tourette's bit was funny. <laughs> yeah. With the little kid and yeah. just yelling horrible things. Yeah. Uh, and then waking it and then, you know, waking them up. Uh, let's see. I wrote, telling Bob to go on vacation immediately backfires because in his mind, he's like, I am on vacation. Might as well just stay. Yeah. Um, let's see. When I wrote the smile on Leo's face immediately fades when he sees that Bob is the one helping his son dive. Yes. And he's just like, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, the, the birthday, the birthday scene where he meets, uh, Leo's sister. Yes. And marries her at the end of the movie when Bob is still catatonic and he's just in the chair trying to object to the wedding. Yeah. That, I thought that was hilarious. That whole, it's just, oh man, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just, uh, it's just too funny. The whole irony of the situation is that he's trying so hard to get rid of Bob and Bob becomes his brother-in-law. It's just uh, yeah. too funny. And then uh, I wrote down that, you know, Leo would have done so much better on that TV interview if he didn't just keep trying to derail it. If he had just gone with the flow and, you know. Yeah, I didn't understand that scene because, I mean, the the producers of the show in that scene um, were very much like, well, let's we'll ask you questions and you like kind of both can do it. And yeah. I understand that Bob was being overbearing in his answers. Oh, yeah. And stuff, but uh, Leo was like, like sabotaging himself. In oh, the, yeah. You know, he was at that point going pretty insane. Yeah, um, like Bob was sitting there just being like, it's not me. It's all this guy. He's been helping me. He's curing me. He's the best. Like, he's sitting there just handing him this interview on a silver platter. He's just like, come on, man. Take it. He's just. And then he's just, and then afterwards, everyone that sees Bob are like, I saw you I on saw, TV. You were yeah. great. And it's right there with with uh, Richard Dreyfuss not saying anything about him. And his family saying, like, the little the little kid off camera, but you can still hear him say, "Yeah, Dad, tank that, tank yeah, that he energy." Totally froze but Bob's and you totally him. save it, save <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but speaking of that part, uh, after the whole 
you know, trying to leave him behind, and he drives off and, you know, get he wrecks his car or he gets pulled over and then he wrecks his car. You know, Bob is in the the passenger seat. And he's just like, "Excuse me, officer, can you make sure he's home by 7? <laughs> and I was just like, I wrote down, "Karma is a bitch." <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I wrote down. Let's see. Bomb scene with the internal and the internal knots metaphor was just hilarious. Yeah. And then, uh, how much worse can it get? And I'm just like, that's a perfect tee up. It was just a little yeah. line at the, near the end. But, I mean, I, that was pretty much all I wrote down for my favorite parts of lines. I could have done more, but I wanted to kind of go easy, just so it wasn't me just monologuing about everything I liked about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break to hear a couple of other ads for other Fourth Hand Network productions. Hello! <laughs> this is Dr. Boris Orlock, the host of the Happy Horror Coffee Break Old Time Horror Radio Show Podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but I do know every other week I, along with my happy robot assistant, Iris. Bite me. Not a butler. Garth, Garfunkel. Why, hello. And the heavily depressed, demon-possessed, steady bear, crappy. I did some bad stuff in my life. Take on a slew of comedian, author, musician, and whatever else guests. And ask them the questions that nobody cares about. Then they help us to turn online scary stories into old-timey horror radio dramas. Come and join the fun! There's music and t-shirts! Find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Schlapstick, Hard Knockers, and whatever else made-up name they give the podcast platforms nowadays. So settle down, tune in, and enjoy. Your happy horror coffee break. Hey, you guys. Oh, my neck. A very Brady podcast. Join host Tack Van Sickle and his guest each week as they hilariously dissect the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch. One episode at a time. He was so creepy, though. That guy was like, he's like, I guarantee you, if they could have really done the show the way they want to do it, like he was going to have a cup to the door listening in that night. (laughs) A look back at a simpler time where everything was groovy. So her kids almost wrecked their marriage. Her employee shames her and she like thanks both of them. It's awesome. So grab your potato sack and head out to the backyard for some fun. She's in her own room. Like, what did we like, tell what? her about sleeping? <laughs> like they went and got the entire family for dad to pick her up and put her in her bed two feet away from the desk. And obviously before they did that, they also said, family, go get your bathrobes. Everyone needs to be in a bathroom. A Very Brady Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are available. They have some compromising pictures of Alice that they could have used uh, to blackmail her and keep her there. Um, I've seen those pictures, and Alice is hotter than you think. I'm going to just put that out there and say it. Uh, that blue dress doesn't do justice? Uh, no, it does. For, for me, that blue dress does everything. Far out. You're a bad man, Tack. You're a bad human. 
There's a lot of weird in this show. All right, we are back with the show. All right, Ethan. It looks like we are down to would you recommend to a friend? Yeah, I said it's you know it's a slapstick style comedy movie, so none of the jokes are terribly inappropriate, which for the '90s is a big deal. Um, you get a lot of stuff these days that you know that were said in the '90s, and you go back and watch these movies, and it's kind of a yikes, or it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, you could rec- yeah, I would recommend you could recommend this video or movie to about anybody. I mean, you, f- you turned it on like if you were at like a, I don't know like christmas or like a family get together or something and you're all watching a movie and this just happens to be on or whatever it's not a movie that you could that you would feel um kind of embarrassed to watch with like your grandparents or something it's Uh a pretty it's a pretty family friendly movie yeah Um, that's that's what i like about it you know it's there's nothing really super inappropriate about it and just yeah, it's just it's good for everybody. Like I, you know, I, I recommend it whenever I remember it. I mean, honestly, I totally kind of I kind of forgot this movie existed until I was trying to think about movies for you for you to watch for this. So, does it even hold up in twenty twenty? Yeah, I said which that's where I was saying it's exceedingly rare for a comedy from the nineties, especially with a big star like Bill Murray or Chevy Chase or even Steve Martin to some. Uh-huh. extent that they're that you can watch their movies and there not be at least one part that's got some kind of you know slur towards somebody yeah or, or something in it that would be today not super popular um, yeah so for it to not have anything like that is pretty is good and then um i said bill murray is awesome the cast is really solid and uh it holds up i mean it's just a especially now i mean everyone yeah. When you were talking about when he talks to his fish, he says he's going to work. And he turns yeah. around. That's just people are working like that right now. Anyways. Yeah. Um, they just, they're like, well, got to go to work. See ya. You know, the awareness of mental illness and stuff uh, is probably at an all-time high as it's yep. ever been. People recognizing that they have it, have some type of illness and going to therapists and things. You know, this is a kind of a movie that kind of, it, it makes light of a world that, is sometimes you know very dark and gloomy to some people and mm-hmm. to be able to watch something and think you know to try to find something that you would enjoy or makes you feel happy it's cool so i think yeah uh it holds up today all right rewatchability i would not be opposed to rewatching it I yeah i like it probably wouldn't if it was on streaming or something sure yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pay like, again rent for it. it or anything yeah. Um, so yeah, I would rewatch it. Yeah, it's it's a good one for it. I mean, you know, it's got good comedy, hilarious characters, and it's always good to go back and visit Bill Murray's previous work. And uh, you know, I guess we can uh, hang around in the fun facts for a little bit if you would like. Yeah. Um, the daughter in this movie plays the tutor in D two, The Mighty Ducks. She's the the school teacher that oh, goes with really? the hockey team. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, Emilio. I mean, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure her and Emilio Estevez smooch at the end of that movie. I don't really remember, but she's like kind of the, the yin to his yang in that movie as to where he gets real spoiler alert. If anybody's not seen that movie, but he gets real uh, caught up in the, the flashy lifestyle of like a, 
like a hotshot coach for a nationally recognized sports team. For I mean, it's for youth hockey, obviously, but they're playing in like a like a kids version of the Olympics. And she's like the character that's like the calming presence that brings him back to realize he's being too hard on the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's really funny in that movie too. Um, she's very good in this. And then the son in this movie plays Jack and Hook. Yeah, that's where I know him from. And then he also plays a character named William Litker in the movie Can't Hardly Wait from I think it's late nineties, early two thousands. Um, it's about it's like the Jennifer Love Hewitt's in it. Uh, Ethan something is in it. Ethan he's in Vegas Vacation. He plays Rusty in National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. Yeah. Um, and it's like a movie about the last night of senior year. There's like a big party. Like it starts out at their graduation. There's a big party. Ethan, what's his face, is going to confess his love to Jennifer Love Hewitt, who has recently broken up with her longtime boyfriend. And William Lichter plays a uh, like a geek nerd character um, who was bullied by. Uh, the the jock that was Jennifer Love Hewitt's boyfriend mm-hmm. is going to get revenge on him with his friends um, and gets caught up in the party. And uh, it's very funny. It's the last movie that he acted in was that movie, Can't Hardly Wait, before oh, he yeah. retired from acting. Became a lawyer. Yeah. But he's really good in Hook. He's good in this. I really oh, yeah. like that movie, Can't Hardly Wait. It's very good. I'll have to check sounds it out. Like you, sounds like you haven't seen it. So I have it not be, seen it. Could be Stay Tuned. Yeah. Um, this fun fact says... Julie Haggerty is only 10 years older than Catherine Erb, who played her daughter. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that 10 years Which is, looks... It is wild because um, Julie Haggerty is in Airplane, and yeah. she looks like she's in her mid-30s in Airplane. Yeah. Um, and she's in Airplane 2 as well, which is very funny. I recently watched that for the first time not too long ago. It's pretty funny for me. Oh, Bernie really? Super. Airplane 2 is actually yeah, worth watching? Okay. Okay. I wrote down at one point Bob Wiley thinks Dr. Leo Marvin, which is Richard Dreyfus, is in Martha's Vineyard. Oh yeah. And Martha's Vineyard was a key filming location, posing as Amity Island in the blockbuster Jaws of nineteen seventy nine, which had Richard Dreyfus in it. Hmm. I wonder if that yeah. might have been like a like a reference or a nod. Oh, uh, I'm sure it was. It sounds like it was an homage. Yeah. Homage. Uh let's see, another one is Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray did not get along at all during filming. Yeah. And even afterwards, Richard Dreyfuss says, like, you know, I still don't like him, but he still makes me laugh, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to hear. With, with that, there was also a producer that said Bill Murray threatened to throw her across the parking lot. Uh, then he smashed her glasses and threw them and then physically threw her into a lake. Oh, geez. It sounds like Bill Murray is a sucky person, <laughs> which is a common thread with the comedy stars of the 80s and 90s that they're just assholes. Yeah, she let him off the hook, though. She says, uh, I can safely say it's not common behavior. Yeah, I took that as it's a not common behavior on a movie set, not that it was not common. Oh, for him. Again. Yeah, it just seems like a lot of those old comedians from, you know, that were on the, you know, the early SNL days that, you know, in the 80s, if it wasn't for the cocaine, you know, who knows where they'd be. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely probably drugs and alcohol influence their yeah. actions. I mean, Chevy Chase is. I mean, he still could be doing all sorts of stuff, but seems to be not doing that sort of thing anymore. And he's still a jerk. So yeah, it may it may not be just based on what the entire cast of Community says when they talk about him, or anybody you know. in general. I'm, yeah. I know there was a a bit that um, on Weekend Update that. Pete Davidson did about Kanye West. Uh-huh. And he said Kanye West's Trump speech was one of the more uncomfortable things that he's ever seen in his life and he's seen Chevy Chase speak to an intern. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um so it sounds like that's just what you get with Chevy Chase. Fran Brill who played Leo's sister was Lil- uh, Leo's sister Lily was one of the film director Frank Oz's fellow Muppeteers on Sesame Street. Oh yeah. I think we should talk about that. Frank Oz is the director of this film. No nigh a puppet. Yes, not even a puppet. And no no, no Yoda voices either. So No, not even like a weird like not even like a puppet that people interact with but like a weird inter- like a weird scene with like something happening with a squirrel or a wood like a woodland creature or yeah. something randomly nothing like that or the only puppets they had are just those hand those creepy hand puppets but you know i you know i would i would get and not even a reference to any thing that frank oz had done like you know he didn't even i mean it's possible that there might be a something in the background of somewhere that shows that but this is a fun fact for our good friend matthew newton who is a disney a disney man Yep. Um, this was the highest grossing live action film released by Disney in 1991. Hmm, look at that. What about Bob? That makes uh, uh, Bill Murray a, a Disney prince. He is a Disney prince. For the scene which Bob accidentally blows up the house, producers used a three-quarter sized model, replica of actual house that was detonated in a nearby lot. <laughs> That's actually so, really genius because that it wasn't looked, a full size house. Yeah, I mean, that's the well, cheapest way was, to do it. When I was in California, I had went to Universal, um, and they do that studio tour uh-huh. where they show you all this stuff, like where John Wayne filmed and the little house that um, Alfred Hitchcock wrote movies in and stuff. One of the things they take you by is Skull Island which is in King Kong uh-huh. um, from like the early 2000s. I think it's the one with Jack Black. And the boat, at that point in time, they didn't want to use, the, the boat wrecks into Skull Island or something, and they didn't want to use CGI to make that scene, so they did a, a model, scale model. Uh-huh. And you drive past it, and it shows you kind of what it, but on the screen that you're watching, it shows you what it looks like when it's fully done and what it looks like versus what the, cause it was like seriously like a, I don't know, five foot long boat in a pond that was wrecked up against the Island that you could see. Uh-huh. It was pretty cool how they do all that stuff. And again, Frank Oz, of course he's going to figure out a way to do it. Um, like, uh, practical and not have to do it like a, and make it look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's his whole, whole, sh- he, I mean, he, he was a big hand in, you know, Yoda and yeah. a lot of the puppeteering and Star Wars. I like how they, I like how like movies back then were that uh, resourceful and how they made things. 
like I watched a YouTube video and how they and how they, and they broke down how they made Tron back in the day, and it's just oh, it's just crazy. You know, now you could just easily render in a three D model of a house and blow that up, and you don't even have to have an actual house on the scene. Yeah, I watched the I watched a thing that was like uh, it was about the Mandalorian. Yeah, how they how they film it. Oh yeah, and they don't use they don't use green screens. They use the LED they use the screens. LED boards, yeah, yeah, those are cool. And they render everything through um, the Unreal Engine. Yeah. So they're set designing like what Fortnite and all those games that use Unreal Engine do. Mm-hmm. Um, through Epic. And they're rendering their these sets and set pieces and things so that Pedro Pascal and all the characters can see what what's going on in the scene. And yeah, they're getting because that's like a biggest when you listen to like movie podcasts like We Hate Movies or anything. Their biggest gripe with a lot of the CGI stuff in Marvel movies or whatever is that you're not getting actual light bouncing off physical things. You're yeah. getting like Thanos who's got digitally, you know, he's all CGI and mm-hmm. they put the, the lighting effects on him versus like you got Pedro Pascal standing in the Mandalorian armor instead of it, them having to edit out the green wash that comes from the green screen mm-hmm. that they're, they're getting actual desert lighting from a desert set because it's got the LED stuff. So yeah. it makes it look more real, which that that's cool. And they're getting into, we're getting into an era where they have technology that they can do that. Where they can just set up four different LED rooms in a in four different studios and use them for different things, and then they said that they, if they need to use green screen, they just isolate a green panel on the screen. Um, oh the yeah. LED board, and then yeah. they just they just do the the CGI on that green when it's like ba- like a, the little little the child or Grogu mm-hmm. Baby Yoda whatever you want to call him does the it does things where they can't make a puppet do it like when yeah. he's running or something um they can just isolate a green square on the cgi board and do it that way which is all very interesting to look at the technology that goes into filming some of these things yeah and it's and it's actually really cool that they have that led stuff because it you know it's it kind of inspired me to start writing this thing that could be shot in that same way because it's kind of got a similar feel you know of a Star Wars, like, you know, space technology, but a Western-type element in it, or, you know, I don't know. Anyways. Spaceball sequel? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, I'm, I'm adapting an old video game to a screenplay. Oh, Super Mario Brothers. Nah. Nah. I'm not really looking to end my career that soon. Mortal Kombat? No. I'm going to redo Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> Leisure suit, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was a good one. Leisure Shoot Larry coming out the summer of 2022, written and directed by Jake Spencer. Oh my god, no. (laughs) Written, directed, and starring Ethan. (laughs) Jake Spencer. It's a a one-man show movie. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh. (laughs) If you don't know what Leisure Shoot Larry is, you weren't a child of the 2000s that didn't go rent video games from a movie store. Yeah. Uh, Google Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Larry made a return recently. I think uh me and and uh, our buddies Matt Casey and Jacob were talking about that 
series and seeing it in movie stores. And one of us looked it up and that he's either making a return or has made a return. I don't remember. Um, so if you're into that sort of video gaming, stay tuned. It's coming. It's coming back. Yeah. So you got any more fun facts, Jake? Because, uh, well, I got a couple more, I think. Yeah, hit, hit, hit me with them. We got time. Uh, one of the things, the reason that Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus didn't get along was because Richard Dreyfus sucks at golf. Oh, yeah. And Bill Murray's really good. Yeah. That's pretty Bill much Murray's, it. Bill Murray's really, really good because he used to play Michael Jordan for money. Oh, yeah, really? Interesting. Yeah. That's and, uh, hilarious. Uh, if you're not a serious golfer, if you're not a serious golfer, you're not going and playing Michael Jordan for money. Yeah. Because Michael Jordan was very good at uh, at golf, they would play per hole, and and the uh, the amounts of money that they talked about in those the Last Dance documentary uh, episodes was a substantial amount. That okay, got passed around at those golf games. Gotcha. Guess we can just uh, move on to other casting. Have you? Did you see any of those? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Bob Wiley, Bill Murray's character. Uh, was thrown at Robin Williams, Steve Martin, and Eddie Murphy. Do you think the movie would have been much better if any think, of those other guys got I think, it? I think Robin Williams would have been too much. Yeah, I agree. I think Steve Martin would have done a really good job. Yeah. Because he, uh, he's been in these types of movies before with like the idiot and stuff. Yeah. And then Eddie Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy. I don't think his style of comedy or his timing would have done very well as Bob Wiley. Yeah. Um, he could have played probably Leo Marvin. Yeah. He would have been a very good Leo Marvin. Yeah, um, he would have. I don't think Bob Wiley would have been a very good casting for him. Yeah. For Dr. Leo Marvin, you had James Caan, which is Buddy's dad and Elf. I yeah. looked up looked that up. I think he would have been good. Because oh, yeah. That's Elf. Elf yeah. is this movie. Same thing. Yeah, it, that's actually a good point because I was thinking I saw I saw that I'm just like oh he would have done really well, you know yeah, for Elf, the exact Elf same reason. This, Elf is this movie, um, just Christmas themed. Yeah, and you know he's actually related to yeah. the Elf and not um, just his patient or his, his doctor. Chevy Chase, I mean he probably would have been good. Uh, I think he runs into the same problems Robin Williams does. He's probably too much of a of a of a personality to yeah. do this. Um, plus um, him playing Leo Marvin and then uh, Bill Murray playing Bob Wiley. I don't think there's a person in the world that would have wanted to work on that movie set. <laughs> no way. Bill Murray is as bad as some of these people in these, in the fun facts were saying. Yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart. Sure. I mean, I don't know if he would. He probably wouldn't have been better than Richard Dreyfuss, but I think yeah. he would have been fine. Yeah, and then sort of. Again, Steve Martin, again, was also considered for Leo Marvin. And again, could have. I mean, he's played Leo Marvin style characters in Planes, Trains, and uh, Automobiles. And yeah. like, um, what's the one? Dur uh, the, not the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> That's the, the army movie. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah. He plays a very good. Like successful man that's just being stressed out to the max and goes insane he does yeah. pretty good in those yeah in those types of roles and you know that's you're right and he would have been able to play both roles pretty well and i would have you know the movie would have been just as good you know what 
we should just get uh, we should just get him to remake this movie as both roles. <laughs> just kidding. Just a no 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 not a, not a movie, but a Broadway ada- adaptation <laughs> yes. where it's just him on the stage running back and forth between two spots, yelling oh, lines at each other. That would be hilarious. I'd watch that. Um, I I saw another fun fact. At one point in development, Woody Allen was considered in that he could do triple duty as star, director, and possibly the co-writer. But he had a deal with the Ryan Pictures and blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, he had passed. So that would have just been insane. No thanks. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as good if he was doing that. Again, to continue our offense references, the movie Ants, Woody, they always said that Woody Allen just ripped off Ants. From a bug's life? From a bug's life. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't really think that. I mean, a bug's life was better, and it was actually just a ripoff of it, of a bug's life. Yeah. That whole Michael Scott monologue about Woody Allen and ants. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything on deck for next week? Yeah. Uh, we're going to watch We're gonna watch Hostel. Okay. I'm just kidding, Jake. I would never make you watch Hostel. Oh, okay. You, would, you, you couldn't make it through Hostel. Okay. I I, was that a scary movie? It's not even, it's just one of those gore movies. It's not uh, scary. Okay, yeah, so thank you for making that <coughs> joke. Uh, no, we're going to watch uh, SLC Punk. Okay, cool. Next week, starring Matthew Lillard. Oh, yeah, okay. And where can we be found on the socials? Uh, on the social media, we can be found on all your majors. Uh, on Twitter, we are Seen This Have You. On Instagram, we're HYST Podcast. On Facebook, we are HYST Podcast. Um, if you enjoy our show and like listening to us, uh, hop on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to, leave us a little comment. Uh, we will read them. I haven't checked them in a couple weeks, but I will check them eventually. You can follow me, my personal account, at Ethan Tyler Wilson, without the E in Tyler, on both Twitter and Instagram. So what about you, Jake? I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at at J-A-E-K-S-P-E-N-C-E-R. And then don't look me up on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And then as far as other shows on 4th Hand, if you go to fourthhand.com and go to the podcast tabs there's all sorts of shows there is hysteria 51 there is um happy horror coffee break there is a podcast about episodes of the brady bunch i think it's called a very brady podcast yes it is in human experience there's all sorts of stuff on there something for everybody so go check that out um until next week with slc punk i am ethan wilson i'm jake spencer Yep, stay safe, wear masks, uh, be cordial to other people. Yeah, see ya. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.